and what we do. So, yes. So you can go first. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Brian. I'm Brian Koffler. Uh, I'm the writer and creator of a project called Outward um, that I've spent at least six years working on now in some form or another. Um, you know, it was... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer, sorry for background. Um, I, my background is kind of more in screenwriting. So this was originally a TV script um, that after pitching it around and being told that no one's buying original IP right now, I was like, you know what? The story needs to get out there. So we've been doing it uh, as a graphic novel. Um, Kickstarter is about a third of the way there. Uh, we got 20 days left, so um, I'll be going over that in a little bit, but uh, that's me. How about you, Jeff? How far, how far into the outward are you? Um, so in terms of actual production, it, it's writing is done, um, you know, that's the easy part. Um, and then we have two artists that we hired to do six pages that we need for, you know, pitching to publishing houses and labels um, is kind of was the plan there. Uh, and, you know, we're giving out those six pages free with um, any donation, uh, just as a little preview, but most of the money from the Kickstarter is going directly to paying the artists for the rest of the, uh, the rest of the book, which, you know, these are uh, the things that you have to deal with when you're just a writer. And how many more pages is it going to be, the, the full project? Um, ideally, we're looking at like a 60-page book one. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's where we're at. And this is my first Kickstarter. Uh, so we, you know, the, the goal is a bit, uh, lofty. Um, so that was kind of one of my lessons learned, but, uh, you know, we're hoping that we can hit that goal. And if we can't, we're going to be reassessing and looking at maybe doing a slim down issue one, uh, you know, cutting book one into a few pieces just to get it out there. But, um, you know, cross that bridge when we get there. Let me click on your Kickstarter link just like me. Yeah, yeah, please. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I can do the I can do the screen share. Hold on. Uh, you've already raised uh, over five thousand, so that's very good. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and and so much about. Kickstarter uh, seems to be about momentum. And so it's, you know, we're trying to, to keep it going as much as we can. We've had fast patches, we've had slow patches. Um, and, you know, that's the nice thing about having a 60 day uh, window is that we have plenty of time. <laughs> and, and, and this is your this is your first Kickstarter? This is my first Kickstarter, yeah. Okay, well, getting over 60 backers and over 5,000 on your first Kickstarter is impressive, really impressive. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it's been, I've basically been teaching myself all about social media marketing this whole time. You know, it's, this is something that's so not, um, you know, my background. It's not my strength. I, I like my writing. I like hunching over a computer, you know, that's where I feel most at home, but I've been, uh, you know, learning how to grow an Instagram page from the ground up and then get followers. And now the, you know, the big challenge is, converting those followers into, you know, paying pre-ordering customers, um, which is, you know, the name of the game, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you put a, you put a very challenging goal for yourself. Yeah, that's, uh, but you know, in a, in a roundabout sort of way, 
optimism in spite of it all is kind of the, the main theme of, of this book anyway. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I can't change the goal now. So we're going to, we're going to push forward, you know, no. yeah. Best no. we can. you know, that's like puts, puts you in like the top two or 3% of comic fund raisings in Kickstarter. So, so uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's also, it's also a tough time to be fundraising. Um, obviously, you know, well, it's, Yes and no. This has actually been Kickstarter's biggest year in uh, fundraising for comic in the comics category. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's and that's why that's why I'm doing it. You know, that's why I I if, I definitely saw other graphic novels, um, you know, collecting money and getting funded, uh, and so I figured, you know, what this is. I I lost for a long time. I had lost my day job from COVID, and I had all this time on my hands. You know, I figured if I'm going to do this, now's a now's a good time to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, cool. Well, that was. I'm just just looking over. It. Yeah, it looks looks like a really cool comic, man. Yeah, no, like I said, it's been a long road getting here. Uh, this was an idea that I came up with, like in 2014 in my college apartment like and then it became like i was gonna do a comic book and then i was gonna do a regular book and then it was a script again and that one was a D, D tabletop campaign for a little bit for me to expand the world building you know it's it's i have a very top-down approach to world building um and so for me the world came before anything else and you know spent years developing the characters and plot lines and kind of uh breathing life into it in a way. And so for me as a writer, getting to go through this process and seeing, you know, hiring the artists and working with them regularly and seeing the, the art really bring my story to life has been a wonderful experience. Is getting like that art in the email box, like the, the high thing? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, when, when, the, when, the, when those first uh, completed um, panels started coming in, you know, it's just, uh, you get chills. Is it is it, is it is it is it is it what you imagined, or is it more than you imagined? Or well, that's what that's what's so wonderful about working with you know with working with talented artists who have their own you know have their own visions, and obviously you know that I'm the art director on it, and they're working within the bounds of my vision, but I'm always encouraging them to you know throw in details, throw in anything that they think might add to the world. You know, I the the fun thing about it is that especially with a sci-fi thing like this, it's so open-ended you know it's such a good base for which you can do kind of anything um going out from there and so i think that's the best part is that i've been able to see something that is so clearly my vision that i've had in my head for years but at the same time in a way that i couldn't have pictured it you know um so that's been it's and, been wonderful and you mentioned this had been a, uh, a uh, screenplay before that and um mm -hmm. So did you come into this as a comics fan or is comics something that you're newly discovering? I've always been a comic fan. Um, I've never read, I guess I've much more, it's, it's a dumb distinction between, I guess, comics and graphic novels, which aren't really, you know, same thing. They are the same thing is what I'm trying to say. But, you yeah. know, I think I have much more read like the, the, the big graphic novels that I've gotten into, you know, I've read Watchmen, I've read uh, Saga, I've read Umbrella Academy, you know, here and there. I'm, but in terms of like the greater comic world of like Marvel and DC and all the other, you know, classic comic books, that's something that I'm kind of 
more uh, of an outsider to. Um, but I, I like the, the scene a lot more just because as mentioned in the entertainment industry right now and TV specifically, they're just, they're not looking for IP. It's such a discouraging position to be in as a writer who writes like exclusively original content, um, you know, and then being told we're not looking for anything that isn't based on anything else. You know, well, it's, a lot of the, a lot of the IP they're looking for is actually coming from the comic world. It seems like. Well, exactly. <laughs> so you're on to me, <laughs> but, um, but what about you, Jeff? All right. Well, um, I am the artist and co-creator of a comic called uh, The Scientist. I don't know why I need to live, put my head in to see that it's on a screen, but that's uh, that looks that's a wonderful cover. I love that. Thank you. This is sort of like the the movie poster variant. Mm. Perfect. Um, so this is like a little uh, soft cover, uh, like a pocket size edition. Oh it. wow! And, How many uh, pages is that? Uh, this is 180 pages. Fantastic. Um, so I have um, this one done, and then I have like the, the standard size in a hardcover. Currently on a uh, on a uh, freight a container ship, uh, probably somewhere, hopefully in the New York Harbor at right around now. Well, all right. Are you uh, are you based in New York too? Uh, I am based in Virginia, so it's going to be from New York. It's going to be making its way down to uh, Baltimore. <laughs> there you go. That's the final piece of the puzzle that I am uh, waiting for to complete the fulfillment uh, of my Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And when 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 did your Kickstarter start? When did it finish up? Like, how did that go? Uh, I started it uh, in um, February, and it ended in March, uh, just before the whole country <laughs> uh, the, the before time in the before before times yeah so i was in a way i was lucky because you know I, I missed uh having to have that added stress on top of everything so, hmm. yeah I, I just literally finished up like the week before everything went crazy and um but um it did like just i, I started doing my day job from home and you know my kids stopped going to school so mm -hmm. it's a whole lot of new things for me to deal with and new stresses. So it ended up putting like the fulfillment side of things about four months behind. Basically, I lost like the entire summer just because I couldn't couldn't get anything done. Yeah, uh, you know, but at the same time, I feel like people, I would assume, were generally understanding about that. You know, I feel like we as a, as a world, as a species, lost the entire summer. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kept people in the loop. I let people know that where things are at. So it's not like it wasn't like a, a mystery on my end, like what was happening. So, but now everything's good. So, I mean, I got this is the, the floppy. Uh, Ooh, these covers are all fantastic. This was, this was a really cool one. Um, Brian Silvera did this. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, no, I would love, uh, I want to look into reading it. Um, is there is there a PDF anywhere I could find, a digital edition? Um, yeah, if you join my mailing list, you can get the, uh, you can get, well, get the first issue. Uh, that I can do. <laughs> link is in the chat. All right. Can I make a note to do that later? So, 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 yeah, and I got I to gotta update my website to um, put all the new issues and 
PDFs and stuff on my web store. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't have any Black Friday sales, but uh, maybe I'll update the web store with some Black Friday sales. Think uh, we're uh, let's see, it was Cyber Monday. Yeah, time. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I'm a little behind on the Black Friday thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so this was actually a um, a project that I started like a long time ago, and then I I just would work on it like just like a, like a little bit at a time. Like I was never doing it like like. This was way before Kickstarter, so I was just—I had no plans on how I was ever going to publish it, or I didn't know what was going to happen with it. So mm. I wasn't particularly like, motivated to finish it either. And it wasn't until like Kickstarter came around and like I realized, oh, that's an actual way I could get this into people's hands. So I started like, you know, really cranking on it to get it done. So like, you know, by that point, like, I had like, like the first ninety pages done, but I still had to, you know finished you know, yeah, so that's, that's the nice part about being able to draw it yourself i suppose <laughs> you know you you have that um you know you have all that freedom to kind of work at your own pace um and not really you know have to rely on you don't have to wait on artists you just uh you know you only have yourself to uh to kind of put, uh, propel forwards but yeah. um so how long do you think since like you know you said it's been a while but since like the inception of this idea like how long have you been working on the scientists uh i mean from start to finish it was about 15 years oh so you're putting me to shame <laughs> but um uh, but you know that's what that's what it takes that's when you yeah. have a vision that's that clear you know it's not it only gets stronger over the years you know you find yourself just like fiddling around with world building stuff and you're in the back of your head all day you know just uh, that's you can just keep building on it and it comes it becomes more and more of a complex living thing yeah but you know if you don't touch it for 10 months can you really count that year <laughs> maybe i say yes but <laughs> uh. crowdfunding um has been great i think it's really changed the whole landscape of independent publishing. I mean, every so often, you know, these things come along where you have these paradigm shifts, right? Back in the, uh, the you know, the late 80s, you know, we had the, the black and white boom where, you know, every comic shop was ordering, you know, 100 copies of every independent black and white comic, hoping the next hoping it was going to be the next Ninja Turtles, right? So, you know, anybody that, you know, could draw a comic, could sell 5,000 copies, you know, just sight unseen. And, you know, and then when the market crashed, people were kind of, uh, you know, left out of that uh, loop. But then along comes crowdfunding where now, you know, you don't long, no longer have to wait for, you know, a publisher to say, uh, okay, I grant you the magic wand of worthiness and, uh, you can just do it yourself. You know, you start your mailing list, you start uh, making your comics, start building your audience, building your own fans, and just creating your own little your own little niche. Um, and it gives me all kinds of cool opportunities to do things that you know I would never have been able to do or even considered otherwise. Like uh, with all the all the stretch goals and stuff. Like I did a like a three D. Oh my god! It's awesome. It comes with the glasses included. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. I did a three D a three D version of my first issue, so that was that was kind of cool. Um, and um, yeah, just all, all these little stretch goals and and uh, little tchotchkes and you know stickers and keychains and stuff like that. That yeah, exactly. 
you know, and that's and it's also you're in direct, you know, there's no middleman. You're in direct contact with these people with this fan base that you're building, you know, and you're you're posting updates and you're, you know, you're you're exactly as you say, you're kind of building your own little niche. And um, there's a, there and there's there's really is a honest to goodness community um, in the in the indie comic crowdfunding space where we all you know, over time begin to get to know each other. You know, we, um, you know, we do, do each other's podcasts and uh, guests write, you know, blog articles. We, you know, help promote each other. We help, you know, we buy each other's comics. We, you know, we, we talk each other, we talk each other up to our friends. We say, oh, you got to check out this comic. Well, exactly. It's it's wonderful, you know, and and even like on a you know what I one of those that's one of those things that I discovered when I was you know building up uh building up the Instagram following you know started from one person I think now we have like six hundred something but the you know you discover that some like there's a decent chunk of that which is just indie comic creators supporting each other you know and um that's been a wonderful thing to discover just how many people are out there following their passions uh like that and so much of it is good so much of it is so so good. Um, that you want to support it, you know, it's, 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 my, uh, my wallet is hurting because <laughs> so much good comics every week, every, every month. Uh, and, and I'm buying from, you know, I'm buying indie, indie comics, you know, at the local comic shops too. I'm not only doing it off of our Kickstarter. I do both. Um, I don't, I tend to spend a whole lot on like you know the Marvel and DC stuff, but I mean, seems like I'm spending like you know 50, 60 bucks a week on comics. It's where all the good stories are, you know. It's where all the stories that like the the TV won't buy right now, you know. They won't buy it until it's already a comic book. So you yeah. know you have these these really original storytellers that are finding a way to tell their stories any way they can. So, so what? Um, so let's so let's back up a little bit and uh, mm -hmm. what is sort of like your uh, path into wanting to be uh, doing doing this? Um, all right. I mean, so I I didn't always want to be a writer. I didn't really think of it as a as an option when I was growing up. You know, I feel um, it just it wasn't even on my my radar until um, you know I started college. Um, that's a whole other story of a of a sequence of events happening that kind of caused me to you know reevaluate where I was and what I wanted to do. And um, was I think someone in your last in your last uh, panel um, had mentioned that it's you know it's about leaving a legacy in a sense, leaving a mark. You know, something to me, art and creativity is the greatest human you know achievement. It's it's create it's defying physics. It's creating something from nothing, something that could have only existed in your head that you're then turning into a reality, and that. For me, it was why I got into writing. I transferred to school, um, a different college, and got a screenwriting degree, um, and kind of been doing the freelance thing for a few years since then. Um, and then I found my way into comics. I am writing. I'm currently writing um, a comic uh, for a webtoon um, at the moment. I'm under contract for them, which is great, uh, and that's kind of given me you know, first-hand experience working in that format, which gave me the confidence to then take my screenplay and adapt it uh, into a graphic novel format and find the artists and work with them. Um, but, you know, 
looking back on it, I said I didn't always want to be a writer, but looking back on it, I've always been a storyteller um, and I've always been, you know, a creative person, even if I didn't necessarily realize there was a career path in it. So, you know, it's funny how things work. How about you? Um, I really kind of got into to writing, um, creative writing and everything back in high school. Like I took a creative writing class and like the exercises of having to create some piece of creative writing every single day. Uh, it really got me into like the mode of uh, wanting to create stories, wanting to create bigger stories. Um, and actually that was where I met uh, uh, Trent who uh, went on to become the co-creator of The Scientist uh, in that creative writing class. Um, he was more coming at it from uh, an interest in screenwriting, uh, which mm -hmm. was he was kind of following in his big brother's footsteps because his big brother wrote uh, screenplays, and so he wanted to do that too. And, and I learned a lot about how screenplays are written from him. And um, but uh, the group of friends I was in back in high school—they uh, were all, big, you know, comic collectors. And I was—I was a comic collector, you know, since you know, thirteen. Um, and I've been doing like little fan comics and drawing like just like little you know nothing nothing to be published but I, I brought some stuff here just like little little things you know that, that I, thought I, was, I was gonna turn into a comic or something like that and um uh as as we were going along um we did like make little comics that like we would like then you know uh, take the kinkos and like you know like, like photocopy a few and you know issues to, to pop out of yeah, that's the real indie comics you know that's uh pre-kickstarter that's how you had to do it yeah the kinkos the kinkos comics the little yeah the, the, exactly the real underground and but uh when we were um i guess when we were in college that was sort of like um or maybe it might have been right after we got out of college i was like sort of like when um, the print on demand started to become like a thing, like that uh, there was there was a company I think called um, Comics Press at the time. Uh, I think they're gone now, but um, they were like one of the very first uh, print on demand companies that, um, that, that, that did comic, like specialized in comic books. I think like the probably, like they were kind of like what Kablam is today. Yes. So, so, um, so when that became an av available, uh, my friends and I started to talk about, you know, we should, we all like to draw comics and stuff like that. We should try to, you know, make a real comic, and you know, we could we could print print some, you know, enough to take it to like one of these like little indie comic conventions. There was one. There was a con comic convention. Um, again, I don't think it's around anymore. Is is it was called Eight. Alternative Press Expo. Uh, it was uh, out of uh, San Francisco at the time, and um, uh, so we we made this little um, comic, Aww. Strange Tales from, mm -hmm. and uh, this was um, we each we each did like you know like a little. Uh, short story, like he oh, so like a little, a little anthology kind well, of thing. Exactly, a little anthology, 
but like they were all sort of like set in the same world so mm. they had like an overarching theme basically it was like it was like you know toontown but uh, mm. instead of humans and cartoons it was humans and like monsters like sort of living oh. side by side oh i love that so so, so like and, and kind of with kind of like a noirish tilt to it always great so, <laughs> i'm a sucker for noir always have been so, so, so there was like you know ghost detectives and and uh, werewolf bikers and stuff like that. Mm. So fantastic. So, so we did um, we we did this first issue and everybody was super gung ho and on, on board. And then uh, I particularly and, and and a couple of the other guys wanted to kind of keep the ball rolling and. You know, you know, we had so much fun doing this. Let's, you know, do it, do a second issue. Um, and then you started to see some people were maybe not quite as dedicated to it as others. So the second issue ended up getting split into two issues because some mm -hmm. some people didn't do their stuff in time. <laughs> Classic. Uh, and because because. Uh, we didn't have as much content to, to make a full issue. I ended up having mm. to like uh, create some extra content to like sort of pad out the the length of the book so that you would have mm -hmm. have enough. And that was where I um, did this. Which one? This this story right here, where uh, you can see I, I did this first story with like you know maybe a more traditional art style. Mm -hmm. And then I had to do. I needed. I needed some extra pages so that the book would be long enough. <laughs> you can see this next one has like a much, let's say, <laughs> looser style to it. You know, there's something to be said for that, though. You know, yeah. I, 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 I've seen far, far worse. I, think, you know, it gets the job done for sure. Well, I kind of. It was kind of fun doing something like, totally like you know just. Like the 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 priority was get it done as fast as possible because um, in or, in order to have it printed, you know the and back from the printer in time to get it to the to the convention we were going to show it at, mm -hmm. I got to have it like the file sent in the the, the next day, right? So um, so basically, I did I had to do all four pages in one night, <laughs> so. I didn't have time to be spending a lot of, you know, making everything look, you know, like, mm -hmm. like, like perfect. So I did this and I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. So I was like, what if I took this idea and I, you know, sort of made it, uh, applied it to something bigger, like where I'm, you know, just working, work, working to get the point across. So that was sort of what turned into the scientist, and the scientist mm -hmm. has sort of like that similar vibe, maybe a little bit more refined, but like mm -hmm. not, but not. Well, it's stylized, you know, it's stylized, and that's what's so nice about um, you know the indie comic scene, much like the indie music scene, is that there's a certain you know undeniable charm to the rough around the edges thing. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it. A little bit, a little bit more of like a you know the punk rock. You know, mm -hmm. if all the mainstream exactly. are doing, are doing DIY, problems. yeah. Oh, we got a question here. What do you guys think about the manga art style and the storytelling style? Um, I think manga art style looks cool. 
Yeah, uh, I, I love it. I <laughs> got no complaints from me. I think, um, I think that they do a lot of stuff um, in manga that uh, you don't see in um, American Western comics, uh, or at least maybe you didn't until now that manga has become so popular over here. A lot of people have kind of assimilated some of their mm. ideas a little bit more than they used to. But like um, mm. some of like the storytelling methods, like would would be like a lot more like environmental, like like focusing, like using the environment to convey the emotion. Oh yeah, which is something that I do, you know, regularly. You know, you throw in some of that, some of that anime wind blowing through the blowing through the grass. You know, it uh, it conveys so much. Western um, comics were maybe a little bit more like you know uh, storytelling through exposition and dialogue. Mm-hmm. I also find that the pacing, the the story structure and pacing in manga, um, you know, it's it's I've found to be different from you know more Western storytelling styles where they really take their time. You know, there's no, they will take all the time they need to fully flesh out not just this one character's backstory, but like his entire life leading up until that moment. You know, and that's why you'll see fights that'll take like. God knows how long, but it's because they're, you know, they're using all that time to enrich the world um, in a way that you don't really see in, um, you know, or didn't really see initially in earlier Western uh, stories. But but I do think that now that uh, manga has really hit, hit the mainstream in terms of, um, you know, the comics reading um, audience uh, worldwide, really, everybody's reading or has probably had the opportunity to read manga, um, been exposed to, to something that was manga adjacent, you know, something that wasn't necessarily strictly manga, but has a lot of characteristics like your avatars. Exactly. Um, you know, and I also, I, I was part of, I was of that generation that, uh, you know, grew up on the um, the tsunami, like the the '90s anime that was coming in overseas for the first time, and we were all like, mm-hmm. you know, we were all intaking this entire world of different media uh, for the first time, and I think that had a huge impact on the next generation of creators in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of those Eastern storytelling ideas have kind of, as you say, seeped into the mainstream. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. Did, did that answer your question, Young Wavy? <laughs> so I was telling the story of. Um, oh yeah, we were talking. We were talking about how art styles in indie comics don't necessarily have to be conforming to the, the styles of the mainstream, and. Hmm. Um, and I do think that maybe, it, especially in the mainstream, people do have a certain like, conceptual idea in their head of like what a comic book looks like, mm-hmm. what you know, what what the figures are going to look like, what the panels are going to look like. Um, they might not have quite as much tolerance for you know anything that is a little too far outside of that box or or too experimental. Uh, with more of like the indie indie comics, you can start to maybe have a little more leeway to to play with some of those um, preconceptions and some, some of those assumptions. Um, 
you know, it's, it's the stylization, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, you look at the, the graphic novels that have done things a bit differently in terms of deviating from that mainstream comic style, you know, you look at something like, like Persepolis or, or Mouse or Stitches and they all, you know, it's, it's showing that you don't need to conform to that style. It's the indie comic scene is so, you know, open-ended and so, still kind of in its infancy stages in a lot of ways, um, you know, with the new crowdfunding, um, you know, the new crowdfunding ways in which you can get your story out there. Um, yeah. You know, it seems like this is a, the start of a, of a great new golden age. I do, I, do, I do think that. And I think that you can't even necessarily say, um, you know, the, what had been, you know, the quote unquote traditional art style is even, you know, commercially dominant anymore. If you look at what are the top selling com uh, comics, like just in the world, it's not the mainstream um, stuff. It, it is what you mentioned, like, you know, the, you know, the Reina Telemagir, uh, uh, you know, you know, her smile books and stuff that are selling, you know, New York Times bestseller list and sold sold in Walmarts and and you know the Dave Pike, Dave Pike, you know, uh, Dogman books and stuff are not mm -hmm. as far as you can get in the Marvel style. And those are selling, you know, in the you know millions and millions and millions. Yeah, exactly. And I think also part of it goes to I think with the internet and everything and with I just it seems to me like there is no longer really this like stigma of being a, a comic book nerd, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's people have kind of grown beyond that, it seems, and just can appreciate story for story's sake, you know, regardless of medium. Um, and it, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that'll, the, that'll happen sometimes. One of the earlier panels that uh, Greg hosted, um, the, the theme, uh, the, and I thought I caught it. I caught part of it. But the theme was about how comics does extend beyond, you know, just superheroes. And I always thought that that was kind of amazing how people still to this day just view comics and superheroes as like synonymous, right? You know, that's crazy to me because that's like that to me, that'd be like saying, you know, oh, television is, you know, cops, lawyer, doctor shows. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, 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 um, and everybody it's knows taking an entire genre and just kind of putting it into a corner, you know, when in reality, it's so much bigger than that. So we got another question from Young Wavy. What's your favorite comic genre to create and why? Um, well, I think you're talking to a couple sci-fi guys, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, it's a uh, definitely, um, easy, easy answer for me. Uh, you know, I personally, I like sci-fi because it's a great way to, one, it's like an open sandbox world building. You know, you're, you're dealing with things that haven't come to be yet. And so they can pan out however you want them to. Uh, but also it's a fantastic way to talk about what's going on in the world today. And it always has been, you know, sci-fi has always been that perfect commentary on modern events. And, you know, especially with, with something like Outward, which is all about, you know, kind of, it's a it's a coming of age story wrapped in a space epic, um, you yeah, know. And so, pitch for Outward. I mean, someone described it to me once as as a Star Trek meets Steinbeck, which I really like. But you know, it's it's this idea that 
you're you're coming of age you know you're you're growing up in a time where the world all around you seems to be falling apart more than it ever has been um and it kind of harkens back to this old school optimism of you know it used to be present in sci-fi you know you look at old school star trek and there wasn't this cynical pessimism that you see these dystopian fictions um that are everywhere now and it's all about you know in spite of the fact that everything is falling apart all around us that you know, that's happening on another level. We on the surface level have to keep doing what we're doing. You know, we have to keep moving forwards. And if you stop to get caught up in what's going on in the world and let it, you know, you can't let it keep you from moving forwards is I guess what I'm trying to say. It's, uh, have you ever read The Grapes of Wrath? I have, yes. It's, well, the, for for you, Greg, it's all, you know, the, the main the main theme of that is that you have this family who, is leaving the Dust Bowl. They're heading west to California and things suck and things keep getting shittier. You know, they, they go from frying pan to fire and back again. It, it's everything is shit. And yet, despite all of that, it's this quintessential optimism that keeps them going that things aren't great now, but they might be better. And that in itself is reason to keep pushing. And that's kind of what I tried to create with Outward is this you know, you have these three protagonists who, by the end of book one, uh, are together, um, you know, headed outwards, no pun intended, uh, or pun intended, um, with a set goal in mind, um, you know, and they're just trying to just trying to make it in this crazy, crazy world. But what about the scientists? What's your what's your pitch? Right. Lay it on me. So the 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 most basic pitch I can say, if, if if I don't if I only have have you for a second, is just sci-fi goonies. There you go, sci-fi goonies. Um, but really, uh, you know, that's kind of that's kind of a cop out because goonies is sort of just the the stand-in for any kind of you know young adult ensemble adventure, right? Mm -hmm. So. That you know they they created the template right. It's it, it's really more about that. It's all about you know the the interpersonal relationships of all these you know all these uh, you know preteen uh, kids. Um, they're all they're all uh, geniuses in their in their relative uh, areas of science. They were on this um, na uh, national science fair uh, competition that they had been invited to, uh, which actually turned out to be, you know, a front so that they could be uh, kidnapped and whisked away as to be uh, Naturally. The, the lab rats of some mysterious experiment. And now they are trying to use their, use their wits and their intelligence and try to try to figure out if they can come together and work together to figure a way out of this, uh, this situation. And it's a little bit difficult just because, you know, their age and their youth and trying to get along and um, they don't even know if they can trust each other. They don't know if one of them is behind it or there's suspicions. Um, so um, I did take a lot of um, sort of inspiration from like the mystery box philosophy of storytelling. Um, I don't think I'm familiar with that. That's something that J.J. Abrams has espoused. Uh, the primary example for that being Lost. 
So uh, the idea with the mystery box there is that uh, you create these mysteries and the emphasis is on the feeling that the mystery evokes and what's inside the box is less important than the than the journey to get there. Oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think what by going back to Lost, uh, as you know, I watched all of Lost, uh, and I think the the primary reason that I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I remember a great many people being disappointed by the ending of Lost, and to me, I think it was because they, you know, you do have you had that instinct to ask all these questions, and I think Les Abrams, you get that from Damon Lindelof, the other half of it you know, who loves posing these big questions. And then you have J.J. Abrams who kind of wants to crowd please, I think, and wants to answer questions. And you lead to this, this you know, this dichotomy where you're never going to satisfy everybody because you're asking too many questions and telling them that you're going to answer all of them. So if you've ever seen the Damon Lindelof other show, The Leftovers, yeah. I think that perfectly exemplifies mystery box theory and that there are no answers and it's not about the answers. They tell you, fuck you, you don't deserve answers. Well, and it does create some interesting um, storytelling when the the writer themselves doesn't know. They're sort of along for the ride and figuring it out along with the audience. And I know there's you know there's different there's different uh, philosophies on writing, and you you might you might have your own opinions on this. Some people think that you know the writer needs to have everything everything figured out. You know, have their outline from beginning to end. And then there's a lot. Then there's the other philosophy where they're you know, riding up by the seat of their pants and, and you know, they don't know what their character is going to say next until they finish that sentence. Right? Which one are you? I think I'm probably uh, more in the the figured out as you go along category. Um, hmm. I like to get, you know, maybe a very rough outline. Uh, I, I, I like to have a vague notion of where I'm going. Uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, of course, I, I think I'm the same way. I like to have like, I like to have it mapped out. I like to know, you know, uh, now it's the first four books, but when I first, you know, plotted out the whole arc, it was, you know, a 10 episode season. Um, but the, I think a really good piece of writing advice I got when I was in college from one of my screenwriting professors is that you don't want to show your hand too early. You want to, you know, you want to imply that you have this big, you know, sprawling world that you have all figured out in your head, you know, but, you know, you're not going to, you, you get, you get what I give you, you get it in little pieces, you know, um, and it leaves this air of mystery where it could go anywhere. Maybe I haven't planned it out. Maybe I don't, who knows? I mean, and I think when the author has the ability to surprise themselves, that kind of feeling can definitely be conveyed to their audience as well. So, oh yeah, I think, you know, I think it's it's great when you have the ability to harness that. Um, so I definitely, we definitely took that uh, a, lot, uh, a lot of times when we were writing this particular story. Like we would write it to the point to cliffhangers where we legitimately didn't know how they were going to get out of that situation. You know, because well, that's the best way to do it. You write yourself into a corner, you know, and then and then the puzzle becomes, well, now what? How do they, how do they get out? Yeah, tag, you're it. Figure this one out. <laughs> exactly, you know. So um, and it's when you're working with such a versatile medium like this, it's, it's wonderful that you really can tell all these stories in so many different ways. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's been, as mentioned, it's been a hugely exciting learning experience for me, just kind of diving headfirst into this indie comic world. Um, and, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to keep it going. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So like one, one example was, uh, like our characters, uh, wake up, uh, after being abducted, um, and they're all wearing spacesuits and they don't know, like, what's up with that or how they got that way. And, um, and then after after an action sequence, one of the one of the kids starts having an asthma attack, and he he pulls his inhaler out of his pocket, and he's you know just muscle memory going to put it in. It's you know clacking against the, the glass of his suit. Mm-hmm. Love that. Do. Yeah, and even something like you know it's those like like you said about surprising yourself. You know sometimes you find that things fit together in ways that you would have never imagined when you first started writing, you know, like um, the three different protagonists for Outward were initially three separate short stories that I was writing, uh, just trying to do some character building in this world that I had been creating. Um, and, you know, each, each one of the characters kind of had their own thing to them, you know, their own, you know, thing that their short story was going to revolve around. And then I think I just had like an epiphany one day I was in the shower and then it was like, Oh, if I do this, this, and this, they all can fit together in a way that's seamless and perfect. Um, you know, it's something I would have never even thought about doing like a week earlier. So surprising yourself. There you go. So well, maybe we could talk a little bit uh, about, um, we kind of touched on it about uh, the, the changing landscape uh, for indie comics in, in terms of the business side of things. Um, it's especially been changed this past year with uh, shows no longer being an option uh, for a lot of indie creators, uh, less so for myself, but for a lot of my friends, the show really factored heavily into being one of the pillars of where they made their sales. They had their, their online shop, then they had their Kickstarter, and then they had their... Uh, then they had the convention sales, yeah. And maybe and maybe you know a few a few of them also sold, uh, you know, here and there to uh, to retail. But that that has been one that I've had less luck getting into is the direct. Yes, this is pre is and a lot of shop owners are like, well, I get all my comics from. Diamond, uh, so I don't want to have to deal with uh, anything else. But mm. yeah, no, it's and I, you know, since I feel like I started working on this once, once the world had already kind of uh, gone to gone to shit, and so I kind of, you know, I don't have any experience of going to cons, and I'm hoping, hopefully, you know, when things knock on wood clear up at some point in the in the near future, I'll be able to to pursue that route. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it was one but, thing that I was kind of, I hadn't, I, I had maybe put like my my uh, my toe into it. Like I I had gone to you know a few conventions. Um, I had um, back when I had issues one and two. So like I felt like I wasn't gonna really dive with both feet in until I had. The, the graphic novel to sell, and I could. I felt, I felt like people would be more excited to buy it when I have the, the whole thing. And you can get. Yeah, this is about holding it in your hands. You know, it's you yeah. see the beautiful cover, you're holding it. It's and 
you know, it's like buying books in general. You want to own it. You want to have it on your shelf. You want to lend it to friends. You know, there's something wonderful about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, so I, I, I did have lofty, lofty dreams of, of, you know, doing all these shows. Maybe not, you know, uh, hopping on a plane and flying around around the world to do shows. Um, not yet. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at that level yet. I know some guys, you know, think of you know, you know, crisscrossing around and doing doing shows every week. But uh, you know, to me, it's like I got to worry about you know, am I going to break even on? Oh yeah, the, of course. All, all the expenses. So I've been very much tethered to like what shows are within my within the radius of my house that I can drive to and that I. Okay. Yeah, or taking new routes, you know, like look, we're on a we're at a con right now, you know. It's we you're you you find that new new outlets open up all the time, and humans are nothing if not, you know, inventive, and we find new ways to to broadcast ourselves and get our stories out there. Because what else are we going to do? You know, it's it's uh clearly we've we've made this our passion, so. So I uh, got to end it soon. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, thank you for basically taking over. So I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff, we should, uh, we should start a podcast, <laughs> break yeah. off on our own. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, thank you. Thank you, Greg, for hosting us. Um, Jeff, it was great talking to you. Starter while you were doing that. So. <laughs> no, I, I saw that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, um, but uh, but yeah. So if to anyone watching, um, uh, the Kickstarter is in the is in the chat. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at at Outward Comic um, or Facebook uh, at Outward Comic. So um, check us out. Yeah. And okay. And same with Jeff. You can find his link down there. And yeah. Thanks All for right. that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Have a good you. night, everybody. Bye. <laughs>